Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Her episode is on the phone. 41 of the podcast. Oui. Assuming America. Yeah. The Air Tour Sports oh, Podcast. So it is Wednesday, June 8th, 2022, people. I hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's having a great day. And if you're wondering why we have not had a new episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast in recent days, you can probably hear it in my voice. Traveled over the weekend, Pangos All-American Camp on Monday, it is Tuesday night, and we'll see if I get through the show. Don't have much of a voice, I'm going to push forward, and I have what is an interesting show if I can actually make it through it. So one, wish me luck. Two, this is what we'll talk about today. First off, Deshaun Watson. This story is crazy. I know it's not something that I would normally hit on, but a couple new developments just since I last recorded. We are going to talk to Sean Watson. From there, interesting topic. So the biggest topic in college basketball, maybe, after that St. Peter's loss for Kentucky in the opening round, is how much time does John Calipari really have and who could potentially be a replacement for him? Well, my buddy Kyle Tucker, you may remember him, he blocked me on Twitter, put out four names that he could be, he believes could be in the mix if and when John Calipari eventually steps away. Could be to go to the NBA, could be to retire, could be next year, could be five years down the road, whatever. But we'll talk about that. And we'll wrap with John Shire. New Duke coach did something very, very, very interesting this week. And I think it speaks to the fact that you can hate Duke, but I think this guy, we don't know if he could coach, but he is doing everything that he could do to set himself up for success. One other quick note. Schedule this week's a little bit funky. New episode on Wednesday. We will do a Thursday episode because for the second straight year, we're going to bring in Arkansas play-by-play voice, Phil Elson, to talk a little college baseball. I loved the Super Regionals, or the regular Regionals, excuse me, over the course of this weekend. Super Regionals are this weekend coming up. My UConn Huskies are in. Tennessee is awesome. Arkansas is in. So we're going to bring on Phil Elson on Thursday to preview the Super Regionals. They start Friday. Does it make sense to have him come on on Friday because, well, the games will have already started by then. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And what I would say is this, is that here on the Aratora Sports Podcast, I do, I like to have fun. I like to be light. I don't take myself too seriously, but I do take 
serious topics very seriously. And one thing that I, I, I do not do on this show is avoid serious topics if we have to have hard, difficult, but real discussions. And I do feel like this Deshaun Watson story is one of them because this is one of the most fascinating, unbelievable, surreal stories that I can ever remember. And we've gotten some new information over the last couple days. And I think this is going to be a huge topic throughout the summer. I haven't talked about this much. Wanted to wait for the legal system to play itself out. But as new stuff comes out, I do wonder if we're looking at another year where Deshaun Watson does not play football. So obviously, look, we all know all the details. We all know everything that that had happened prior to last week. But for those who don't know, I mean, first of all, you know what happened. 23 masseuses accused Deshaun Watson of sexual assault, sexual allegations, sexual inappropriateness, whatever terminology you want to use. Pro athlete, 23 masseuses, very strange story. And again, I stayed away from this topic because I believe that the criminal justice system should play itself out, and that's exactly what happened. The district attorney in his local community refused to bring criminal charges, and we thought that was the end of it. A bunch of teams wanted him, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons. He gets traded to the Cleveland Browns, who then immediately pay him the most guaranteed money in the history of the NFL. And we think that is the end of it. But in the last couple of days, we have, a, we have had a few new developments, and I would be remiss if I didn't talk about them. One, his lawyer, late last week, went on a Houston radio show and did a very clunky interview where he talked about happy endings. We all know what those may or may not be. An interview that was so bad that he had to apologize for what he said and really reiterate and, and reshape, basically say, I didn't mean what I what you think I meant. That's not good. What's even worse is we now have a 24th accuser. There were 23. There's now a new accuser just in the last couple days. And just when you thought the story couldn't get any crazier, the New York Times put out a report on Tuesday, as best I can tell, seemingly out of nowhere, with a bunch of new allegations. One, Deshaun Watson said that the, the, the masseuses that he had hired over a bunch of years was in the 23, 24, 25 range. New York Times reports that he had 66 masseuses over a 17-year period, or 17-month period, very big difference, 66 masseuses over a 17-month period that on top of that, the Houston Texans provided a hotel for his massages, that they provided an NDA for him to have at least one masseuse sign. And as I said, the story is not good and it is crazy. Now, before we get too much further, I do want to reiterate a couple things. One, I am the ultimate believer in the legal justice system. And to be fair, Deshaun Watson has been accused of a lot. He hasn't been found criminally guilty of anything. That's no different than me, than you, than your parents and your grandparents, whoever the case may be. Let all the facts play themselves out and you move, you know, the criminal justice system is in place for a reason. Uh, I think we have the, the greatest criminal justice system in the world. It's not perfect, but I believe in it. And I have always been a believer, let the criminal justice system play out. But can we also admit that even while there have been no criminal charges to this point and may never be, can we admit this is a very weird, 
very bizarre story where it's just a very weird, very bizarre story. First of all, there is never a reason under any circumstances for any professional athlete to have 66 masseuses over a 17-month period. That is in under a year and a half. This man had 66 masseuses. It doesn't make sense. These are professional athletes, and we all know about professional athletes. Think about Tom Brady. Maybe he's the most extreme example, but they worry about what they put into their body, when they put into their body. Every meal is regimented. Every everything, every workout is structured to them. And a masseuse is no different. Tom Brady's had the same trainer, the same everything for 20 years. I've seen people that have worked in sports say that is very uncommon to have that many masseuses. And I'll just say, there is never a reason to have 66 masseuses. It doesn't make sense if it is strictly to work on your body and it is strictly to get your body performing at the highest level then it doesn't make sense to have 66 masseuses over 17 months. It simply doesn't make sense. Two, what I would also say is it is very strange that the Cle- uh, the Houston Texans, excuse me, Deshaun Watson's former team, gave him NDAs for at least one or two of the masseuses to sign. That is not normal. That is very strange behavior. I'm not as bothered by the hotel. I mean, I could see the scenario where they it's just close to the stadium or there's this or there's that or there's whatever but to have to to have your head of security which is what the New York Times reported give NDAs out that is not normal if you are acting in normal accordance and by the way you know what's not going to help going forward is that Deshaun Watson has admitted or he you know he's admitted to what he believes was consensual sex with at least a few of these masseuses 66 masseuses NDAs but you've had consensual sex, but there's nothing to see here. It doesn't make sense. And so to me, that is why maybe the most fascinating thing going forward is what the NFL does. And again, I believe in the justice system. Deshaun Watson hasn't been accused of anything, uh, hasn't been found guilty of anything. Very big difference. He's been accused of just about everything. He hasn't been found guilty of anything. And so I get the idea that how can the NFL realistically suspend him Um, when he hasn't been found guilty in a court of law on anything. But one, it's not unprecedented for them to do something like this. Zeke Elliott was accused of sexual misconduct, whatever it was, six, seven, eight years ago. The NFL did its own investigation. The NFL's own investigators told Roger Goodell that they didn't believe there was enough information to warrant a suspension, and Roger Goodell still suspended him anyway. But more important than that, Here's why I think the NFL has to seriously consider suspending this guy. You don't know what else is going to come out. I mean, think about this. The first accuser of Deshaun Watson was back in March of 2021. That is a long time ago. And so we had one accuser back then, which escalated very quickly, and we thought it was done, and now we have a new accuser, And now we have 30-something masseuses that we didn't even know existed two, three days ago before this New York Times report. So to me, I think the NFL's got to suspend this guy because they simply don't know what could be next. Not accusing Deshaun Watson of anything. I'm not saying he's definitively guilty. But if I was Roger Goodell, I wouldn't want this guy to look me in the eye, tell me there's nothing else to see, and then in 
week three when the Browns are playing the Bengals on Thursday night football, which I actually think they are, by the way, in week three, find out that Deshaun Watson, um, you know, something else happened. There's a new accuser. There's new this. There's new that. And so to me, I don't know if how you're Roger Goodell if you let him play. Two, beyond the NFL, act, uh, the NFL situation, let me say this. Shame on the Cleveland Browns. Again, I know there were other teams. I know there were teams that, that, that were in pursuit of him. But the Cleveland Browns, if you remember, when they traded for him, they said there's nothing to see here. They said they had done all the research that they needed. They had also said they hadn't spoken to the accusers per the lawyer's request. But they said they were confident that they had done the due diligence needed for Deshaun Watson. Now look, I think if anything serious comes out of this, if there's any criminal charges, if there's any civil this, if there's any this, I think they'll be able to get out of the contract. There's got to be something written into the contract. But the Cleveland Browns looked the media in the eye and said they did their homework, there's nothing to see here. Instead, it's the exact opposite, and it appears as though we are now in a situation where there's just another avalanche of stuff coming out about Deshaun Watson. Finally, let me just say, man, we don't know our athletes. We don't know anybody, right? We don't know anybody except maybe our most intimate friends and family because I'll tell you, you know, this kid had about as much of a humble, seemingly genuine background as, as you could imagine for people who do not remember, um, you know, grew up under very unfortunate circumstances, actually was part of a Habitat for Humanity program that allowed him and his family to get a new house, goes to Clemson, graduates in three years. Dabo Sweeney says he's Michael Jordan. You will regret draft uh, passing on him forever. And right now, at the very least, there's very weird stuff going on. But I think Deshaun Watson, I mean, I, I don't think he's playing football anytime soon. I don't know if it's a year suspension. I don't know if it's an indefinite suspension. I just don't know how you can let this guy on the field as more and more and more and more stuff comes out. But we'll monitor it. Like I said, when the first wave, I think I talked about it once, when the first wave came out, I tried to be patient, tried to do my, you know, tried to, to be fair. And I, I think I'm still being fair. But it is just one of those stories every time you think that we are at the final stage, we're finding out new information. So what I do, I don't want to take a quick break. I think I'm going to come back with a much more fun topic following that very serious topic. And that is the future of Kentucky basketball. So, since the St. Peter's game in March when Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, the number one question that I have gotten, Aaron, who do you think is going to be the next head coach at Kentucky if and when John Calipari steps away? Patience is wearing thin. Um, you know, an era that we thought would go on another five, six, seven years. I mean, if he has a bad couple, if he's bad next year, I mean, I, I don't see how you can bring him back the following season. The point I'm trying to make this thing could be coming to an end quicker than we think. My buddy Kyle Tucker, love you, Kyle. Love you, Kyle. Call me, buddy. Unblock me, buddy. Kyle Tucker put out a, a list of four candidates. If my voice can make it, I'll be right back to discuss them and some other people to keep an eye on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our partners, our friends, DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook. Game three of the NBA Finals is tonight. And when I tell you DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer for first-time users, this is an unbelievable offer for first-time users. First-time users. Bet $5 on either team. And regardless of who wins and who loses, doesn't matter. DraftKings is going to give you $150 in free bets. It's unbelievable. Bet $5. They give you $150 just for betting those $5. Here's how it works. First, you got to click the link in the show description, sign up for a new account with DraftKings Sportsbook, and make your first deposit. Bet $5 on either team, and as soon as that happens, you get $150 in free bets, all courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. Tell them Torres sent you. It's the best offer going in sports, so act. Now, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling, and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming. 1-800-9 within Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, or call or text Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Must be 21-plus or over to enter, 18-plus or over in Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit, minimum $5 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, everybody. I am back with my gravelly voice. Good to be back. Good to be back. All right, I do want to switch gears, and here's the deal, right? Every Wednesday on this show, we have done the mailbag segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And rather than doing the traditional mailbag today, what I decided to do is I want to do something a little bit different. What I want to do is instead of hitting on five, six, seven different questions, I want to hit on one specific big question because it's a question that has been asked of me, I would guess, probably a dozen times over the last probably three months. That question is, Aaron, who do you believe will be the next head coach of the Kentucky men's basketball program after John Calipari leaves? It's a great question. 
Obviously, the question stems from the fact that, one, John Calipari, 63 years old, not going to be around forever, but two, Kentucky is coming off like back-to-back unacceptable seasons. 9-16 and 16 in 2021 during COVID, worst season in modern history, basically dating back 100 years. And two, they are also coming off the worst loss in program history to St. Uh, Peter's in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. I almost said St. Mary's, but St. Peter's. And so since that St. Peter's game, as I said, I've been asked the question a dozen times. I've been trying to figure out the right time to hit on it, and today feels like a good day. Isn't all that much going on in the world of sports, but also there's another reason, and you guys and girls are going to get kicked out of this. My old buddy Kyle Tucker actually has chimed in on this. I guess he was asked about it in some article that he did. Kyle Tucker works for The Athletic. He actually does a really good job with The Athletic. Blocked me, no big deal, but he does. He covers Kentucky well. I got no personal beef with the guy. I just don't like that he blocked me and talks about me behind my back. But anyway, Kyle Tucker was asked about the same question. Who would be the next head coach at Kentucky if John Calipari retires? He gave out four names. I think three of them are pretty good. One of them I would kind of disagree with him on. And I also think there's a couple others that would be in the mix as well. And so what I want to do now is I want to go ahead and get to it. Before we get to it, what I would say is a couple things. One, this is a very fluid moving situation, okay? Um, I remember being asked this question probably about four years ago. And I think the hot name at the time was Mike White at Florida. Yeah, that ain't going too well. So this stuff could change really quick. And it could change especially quick if, like, Kentucky bounces back next year. Like, Kentucky is going to be good again next year. And if they make a Final Four, uh, or if they make an Elite Eight, or if they win a national championship with Oscar Sheboy, the best player in college basketball, all of a sudden, Calipari might be there another five, six, seven years. I just don't know. What I would also say is that really, I don't know, over the last two, three years, and really after the St. Peter's loss, it does feel like this end might be coming quicker than we expect. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. The guy has a lifetime contract. But what I would say, you're going to have Oscar Sheboy back next year. If you lose in the second round of the NCAA tournament with that guy, assuming there's no crazy injuries or nothing like super bad happens, I mean, I could see the scenario where Calipari tries to sneak out the side door and go to the NBA. I could see the scenario where Calipari retires to a, you know, it's just it's just one of those deals where it feels like it might be closer than we expect. And what I would say before we get to the candidates is exactly what I've said here over the last couple weeks. It just feels like everything that Calipari has done over the last couple months, everything has worked out not in his favor. Losing to St. Peter's. You lose your top assistant, Jay Lucas, to... Um, you lose your top assistant, Jay Lucas, to, to Duke. Um, you know, the Baylor-Shireman situation, which was weird. His, his, uh, you know, one of his staff members is tweeting out form about NIL, all this good stuff. As I told you, Baylor-Shireman Baylor did not go to, uh, to Creighton because of NIL purposes. But anyway, it's been a bad couple months for John Calipari, and it feels like the end might be getting closer. So let's get into it, and let's start with the candidates that, that uh, Kyle Tucker gave out in The Athletic a few weeks ago. So Kyle Tucker was asked, who do you believe could be the next head coach of Kentucky basketball? And the four that he listed were these guys. Scott Drew, head coach of Baylor, Eric Musselman, head coach of Arkansas, Mark Few at Gonzaga, and Brad Stevens, who of course is now in an executive role with the Boston Celtics. So let's start with those candidates and then we'll kind of bounce around from there. First of all, Scott Drew, I think is actually a great, great, great candidate. I mean, one, a couple things with Scott Drew. One, he's younger than you think. He's 51 years old. He's been at Baylor for about 20 years at this point, obviously coming off this crazy scandal. So it feels like he should be older than he is, but he's only 51 years old. He's probably got another good 10, 12 years ahead of him. And if something happened pretty quickly with John Calipari, 
um, it, it, you know, I see the scenario where Scott Drew, um, you know, he, he's in that age range where if something happens quickly with John Calipari, you could get Scott Drew to Kentucky at 51 years old. I think he'll be 52 later this year, and, and you could get 10 good years out of him, right? Obviously, his, his, his uh, resume speaks for itself. He's won a national championship. He's really built Baylor into a great program. Multiple Elite Eights before they won that national title. 2020, they may have been the best team in college basketball. 2021, they win the national championship. And 2022, for all of the team's struggles, guess what? They still ended up as the number one seed. And if things go a little bit differently against, uh, against North Carolina in that second round game, who's to say how the season ends? And this despite a million injuries. He's now recruiting at a high level, McDonald's All-Americans, all that good stuff. And there's a couple other things I think you have to consider with Scott Drew. One, what is the future of the Big 12? I know everything feels sort of fine now, and Texas, Oklahoma is a year behind us and all that good stuff, but there were some real reports that came out at the time that Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were leaving that Scott Drew was concerned with the future of the Big 12. Now, from a basketball perspective, it is still going to be a good conference. Kansas is there. Texas Tech is there. Houston will be joining. Cincinnati will be joining. BYU, etc. But is the revenue going to be there? Are they going to be able to compete? Which I think leads to a second question. If this gets into an, if we get to this NIL world, whereas Lane Kiffin said there's seven, eight programs competing at a different level than everybody else, Baylor feels like the kind of school that could be left behind. We know that if NIL doesn't get any sort of regulation, there's going to be, as Lane Kiffin said, seven, eight programs in football, but also there's going to be seven, eight programs in basketball that can simply compete at a higher level for better players. Kentucky is absolutely going to be one of them, and so if he feels like they're falling behind, if he feels like the revenue isn't there, then I think he has to seriously consider leaving. Now, if you're asking me today, I'm sure, he, I, I guess he was going to retire there because he's 51, he's rolling, they're recruiting at an insane level, all that good stuff, but college sports is going in a crazy direction that I don't think anyone can figure out exactly what it's going to look like in two, three, four years from now, let alone seven, eight, nine years from now. And so he kind of fits that age range where if it happens in the next few years, he could be a fit, and obviously with the way college sports is going, he could get left behind at Baylor. Keep in mind, by the way, Kim Mulkey left Baylor last year, not for money, but whatever. The point is that it's not unprecedented for a national championship winning coach to leave Baylor. Finally, what I would say is, I think he's got the personality for Kentucky too, and I don't think that can be undersold enough. John Calipari, for all the criticisms, you can fight a lot. That guy is built for Kentucky. He understands the responsibility. He's got the the right attitude. Um, he, I, I don't know, he just, he just mentally gets what that Kentucky job is about, and I think Scott Drew has a lot of that. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's not overly concerned with what everybody else says. He is going to stay true to himself, and I think in a place like Kentucky, you have to in a job where you're going to be criticized, not criticized, but you're going to be covered 365 days a year. So if you ask me the first one, I would absolutely say Scott Drew, um, and I think it's a legitimate candidate. I think it's a legitimate candidate that for a lot of realistic reasons would make sense at Kentucky and, and realistically makes sense that he could actually leave the place that he's at, even though if, you're, if I'm betting on it, that he's going to retire. The second one is kind of somewhere in the middle, right? So Kyle mentioned Eric Musselman. That coach Moss on the show a million times. I have obviously never asked him about other jobs. And I think that's kind of the push-pull, right? 
because one, obviously the resume and the credentials speak for themselves. Uh, Back-to-back Elite Eights at Arkansas, a Sweet 16 at Nevada back in 2018. Nevada has fallen off the map since he left. And oh, by the way, he is recruiting at an insane level. He gets the portal. He gets the, 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 you know, he's recruiting high school recruits that are difference makers. And so Eric Musselman will be great at, at Kentucky. Resume's there. The guy wins at the highest level. Eats, sleeps, and breathes basketball. Loves it. Um, that which isn't a bad thing, by the way. I think you know, depending on the candidate, you know, Billy Gillespie, that wasn't the right fit there. But Eric Musselman has proven that he can do it at a place that loves basketball and covers basketball in a way similar to Kentucky. The other thing that's interesting about Eric Musselman, I looked up his contract. Unless I'm misreading, it's actually pretty manageable to get out of. Really, in about a year from now. If I read correctly, his buyout falls to about $2 million for the next two years after the 2022-2023 season, and then it drops down to a million. Now, of course, keep in mind, obviously, if something, uh, you know, if Arkansas continues to have success, that could get restructured soon, and that could definitely get restructured soon if it feels like John Calipari is going to leave Kentucky. But right now, he's actually a guy that you can get out of his contract, and there are a lot of guys on this list that would make sense that I just don't think you're going to be able to get them out of their contracts in their next four or five years. And so because of it, listen, I don't know if Eric Musselman will leave, but you might be able to do it. Now, the flip side is a couple things. One, Arkansas financially is in an amazing place, right? I think everybody kind of knows the the background, but I don't think people realize how well-funded Arkansas is. The Walton family, who of course owns Walmart, is is in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, Tyson Chicken, like some major, major corporate backing And if it came down to a money situation, you could not outbid Arkansas. Uh, You could not outbid Arkansas for Eric Musselman. And what I would also say is the NIL structure there obviously appears to be going well. I don't know much about it. But that's another place where, you know what I just said with Baylor, there are certain schools that aren't going to be able to keep up in the new world of college sports. Arkansas is definitely not one of them. Uh, But I just, you know, I, I think he makes sense as a candidate. I just don't see any way Hunter Yurichek is dumb enough to let the, let it get that far where he could potentially leave, but he makes sense as a heck of a candidate. A third candidate that I think makes a little bit of sense is Brad Stevens. Listen, I know we have this narrative that Brad Stevens is never going to coach college basketball again, and I think it's kind of justified, right? I mean, obviously the, the reports were when the Indiana job opened up a few years ago and Mike Woodson got hired, that Brad Stevens was offered something crazy like, I, I think it was like a, a, a eight-year $80 million deal or a 10-year $80 million deal. They just basically wrote him a blank check and he said, I'm good. I don't want to go back to college basketball. I don't want to recruit. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with that. Well, like I said, a lot has changed since then. He left coaching in the NBA. He is now in a front office. And the thing with Brad Stevens, you got to remember, he's only 45 years old. There is 0% chance that this guy never coaches again. So don't tell me like, oh, you know, he'll never come back to college basketball. Well, he's 45 years old. What's he going to do? Sit up in a booth for the next 25 years of his life like this isn't Jay Wright retired at 60 that I don't think is coming back to college basketball President is 45 years old which is insane to think about as my voice is just going so fast and so furious Tokyo Drift you get the point I'm out of control I'm off my rocker today but anyway back to Brad Stevens one he's only 45 years old I just don't believe that for the next 40 years he is going to be a front office executive in the NBA The other thing that I was kind of thinking about, too, is this. We're going to talk about it with John Shire in a minute, the fact that he hired a GM, basically someone to handle NIL stuff for him on uh, on Tuesday. Well, in the changing world of college sports, if you don't want to deal with recruiting, and if you don't want to deal with 
players getting paid under the table. That could look a lot different in three, four, five years from now than it does right now. What if in three, four, five years, every major program has somebody that deals with any player NIL deals and basically a player personnel director that really helps you basically narrow down your recruiting, and then maybe the head coach comes in and makes the final visit, whatever. I'm not saying that will happen, but that appears to be where we are trending. And so if that is the new world, or if that is the new world, excuse me, then that's a lot different than the world that we live in now that Brad Stevens has said he has no interest in. And so to me, I just look at it and I say, like I said, I've said it you know, eight times. He's 45 years old. I think there's a possibility that he would be considered. Now, he's not going to come back to college basketball to coach at, uh, you know, Minnesota or Washington. But could I see Kentucky? Could I see North Carolina? Could I see Duke if it doesn't work out with John Shire? I really could. And I also would add, keep in mind that, again, college sports is changing quickly. And all the things that he did not like, um, they might not be a factor in two, three, four years from now. The fourth name that Kyle mentioned, listen, I understand the idea that you got to call him. I don't think he is a very realistic candidate, though, and that's Mark Few. And it's nothing against Mark Few. It's nothing against Kentucky. I just just don't think they're a good fit. One, Mark Few's had a chance to leave Gonzaga a million times. He never has. And maybe there is a job or two that he would potentially leave for. There was buzz for half a second, excuse me, that if, if North Carolina had really pursued him, that might be one that he would consider. But other than that, maybe a Duke. I just don't see him leaving Spokane. He loves it there. He likes to get off the grid. He likes to get off the radar. He likes to, when the season ends, unwind. He's famously a a fly fisherman, really enjoying his time up there in the northwest, the Spokane area. And I just can't see him seriously considering leaving that for a place like Kentucky that is a a 365-day-a-year pressure cooker, a, a job where the spotlight is always on the program. Again, doesn't make Kentucky a bad job, doesn't make Mark Few a bad uh, head coach or anything like that. I just don't see the scenario where he leaves for Kentucky. It doesn't seem like the right fit to me. I get why he's on the list. I think you got to call him. I don't really see it. A couple other names that I think are are sort of interesting. First of all, Billy Donovan. And and again, I know Billy Donovan's been the, the white whale, the guy that everyone's Kentucky has wanted for years. It's probably past that time. But Billy Donovan's 57 years old. He's on his second NBA job. And if this goes south with the Chicago Bulls really quick, he's not getting another NBA job. And so could I see the scenario where maybe not this coming season, but maybe two years from now, it's not working out for Calipari. He decides it's time to step away. Billy Donovan is about to get fired by the Bulls. And he decides, you know what? It's time for me to go back to college. I could see that scenario. The other thing with Billy Donovan, like I said, it's worth keeping in mind. College basketball is going to look a lot different in the next year, two, five years, 10 years than it does right now. And again, I know we've heard the scenario that he's never coming back to college basketball, but if he can come back to a sport, that's a lot different where he doesn't have to deal with a lot of the stuff that he he dealt with before that's pushed him away. I think it's at least a possibility. Now, the downside is he's 57 years old. So it's got to happen in the next year or two. And it's got to be a scenario where you understand that you're only getting him for four or five years. But I think it's at least interesting. I think it's worth considering, and I do think he is somebody that you call, even if I don't think it's all that realistic. Keep it going, Chris Beard, another interesting one. Um, Obviously, resume speaks for itself in many positive ways. Took Texas Tech to a national championship game. Took Texas Tech to its first Elite Eight in program history the year before that. The guy is a really, really good coach, and at Texas, he is recruiting elite high school players, elite transfers, and he kind of has that you know, Kentucky vibe of, I think he would want the pressure of coaching in a place like Kentucky. Now, the flip side with Chris Beard is a couple things. One, he's at Texas. We just talked about with Arkansas and Eric Musman. 
We just talked about it. There are certain schools that you just can't outbid, and the guy is just going to want to have to leave, right? And what I will say, by the way, I remember talking to John Calipari about this for my book. John Calipari said to me, I said, Coach, why'd you leave Memphis? You had it rolling. He said, because it's Kentucky. And when Kentucky calls, you don't say no. And maybe Chris Beard has that moment. But he's also at his alma mater. He is also at a school that is obviously going to take full advantage of NIL. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not short on cash. Uh, and and they're, they're going to be uh, you know, very much one of those programs that if they are fully invested and if Chris Beard is winning, uh, you better believe the cash is going to be flowing and one player is going to be well taken care of and two, the coaching staff is going to be well taken care of. And he, he just might be one that you can't outbid uh, Texas for. The other thing is the bloom is a little bit off the rose, right? Like, I think he's a great coach, but let's call a spade a spade here. Last three years, 2020, uh, Texas Tech was a bubble team at best uh, before the NCAA tournament was canceled. 2021, you lose in the second round. 2022, you lose in the second round of Texas. And, you know, there might be some belief, there might be some truth to the fact that he needed Mark Adams a little bit more than we realized. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I don't know that he's that high up on the list at this second. And I also think it's probably going to be pretty tough to get him out of Texas. A couple names that I don't think are realistic. Let's go through them. The first one's Jay Wright. Listen, Jay Wright, love him. He is going to be the, again, to use the term I just used on Billy Donovan, the white whale. He's going to be the guy that everybody tries to get. I just don't see the scenario that it actually happens that he does, in fact, leave, or uh, leave, excuse me, that he does, in fact, come back to college basketball after retiring for Villanova. I think if Jay Wright wanted to be a college basketball coach, he'd be the basketball coach at Villanova. I do think there is a possibility that he pursues the NBA at some point in the next few years. I just don't see him coming to college basketball. He's 60 years old. If he has an NBA future in him, he's not coming back to college basketball at 67, 68. And like I said, if he was going to come back to college basketball, it probably, he just would have never left and he'd be at Villanova. A couple other names that probably don't make sense. Nate Oates, look, we talked about this with the Louisville job. His buyout is insane. His buyout is $9 million after next year. It drops a little bit the year after, but it's kind of like what a lot of these guys we've talked about. If the number gets too low where it looks like you could leave and you're winning at the level you are right now, then Alabama's going to go to Nate Oates and say, what's it going to take? But we're going to need to put in a big buyout. And so that would be my, my belief with Nate Oates is um, you're not going to get him after next year. You're not paying $10 million just for the right to negotiate with him. And then if the number drops to about four, four and a half after that, I think Alabama just probably gives him an extension and bumps up the buyout. So I don't think Nate Oates is realistic. And speaking of unrealistic buyouts, Mick Cronin, I could not believe this. And unless I'm misreading it, because I could have seen the scenario that Mick Cronin came back to the East Coast, to the area that he's familiar with, the Cincinnati, Ohio, Kentucky area. Obviously, he coached at Murray State. If I was reading correctly, Mick Cronin's buyout over the next two years is $20-plus million a year. Yeah, that ain't happening. So Mick Cronin, I think, is off the board. I think at this point, Bruce Pearl is probably off the board as well. Uh, you know, I, I just think Bruce Pearl loves it at Auburn. I think he's got it rolling there. I think, you know, he's a pillar of the community. He's 62 years old. I don't know how many more years he wants to do this. But what I would say is that um, I don't see him as a realistic candidate. A couple other ones, Kenny Payne, obviously, for a long time, was deemed to be a potential Calipari successor. I think John Calipari publicly said he would love to have Kenny Payne follow him. But that is not going to happen, uh, being the head coach at Louisville. That would be a heck of a coup, by the way. Uh, for Kentucky if they could steal the Louisville head coach, but that's not happening. Uh, you know, Mark Pope was an interesting one for a minute, but that program has regressed to BYU. So those are kind of the names. You know, if I had to say of everyone on this list that I believe is most realistic, I would say Scott Drew. Um, you know, again, 
uh, and I think that's the important part, right, is that all of this stuff is and will change in the next year, two years, five years, however long John Calipari is here. Um, But what I would say is it does feel like I said, it feels like we are one bad year away from John Calipari really trying to sneak out the side door and get back to the NBA, uh, you know, maybe retirement to retire to an advisory role. If he loses in the second round of the NCAA tournament next year uh, with Oscar Shibway, I think it's going to be tough for him to sell the fan base on bringing him back. That'd be about five, six, seven years, five, six years, I'd really say, uh, of underachieving in the tournament, and it would definitely be a trend in the wrong direction. All right, this is what I want to do. I'm going to take a quick break. Drink some cough syrup. Try to get through this show. We're going to come back and talk to John Shire. Because while John Calipari seemingly can't do anything right this offseason, John Shire did something really interesting that I speak. I think speaks to something much bigger. Uh, and I want to discuss that next. I will be right back. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do... I want to welcome in a new sponsor, Athletic Greens and AthleticGreens.com. With one delicious scoop of AG1, that's Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Quick side story. The founder of this company, they were experiencing gut health issues and were spending over $100 a day on vitamins and supplements. They knew there had to be a better way. That's Athletic Greens. For the cost of just $3 a day, you can get Athletic Greens. Here's the best part. It contains less than one gram of sugar with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com emerging. That's athleticgreens.com emerging for one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take over ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Thank you again for being our partner. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Let's see if I can get through the last segment, even though I am down to essentially no voice. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about the Duke Blue Devils, okay? So here's the deal with Duke. Something big happened on Tuesday. We'll get into that in a minute. But even before we would get to it, what I would say is this. No one knows what the future will hold for John Shire. And maybe he's going to be the worst coach ever. And maybe he's going to be out in two years. But he was named the successor to Coach K right around a year ago at this point. And in life, when you get a year to prepare for something The only thing you can do is put yourself in the best position to succeed when your number is called. Let me give you an example. Started the AT Media about a year ago. Really had spent time thinking about it for about a year. Didn't decide to leave my previous company, Kentucky Sports Radio, overnight. Really decided, uh, you know, 
a significant timeout. This is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. And took steps to put myself in position to succeed. I would argue that I've, I think I've been pretty successful. Um, podcast numbers are through the roof. YouTube numbers are very good. Um, website, you know, like sign with DraftKings, all that good stuff. So I, I can't say that I'm going to fail. I'm going to succeed. And how good am I going to be? Where am I going to be in 10 years? But I had time to think about what I wanted the next move of my career to be, and I went out and did it. Same with John Shire, who had a year to think about what he wanted the future of Duke basketball to be, and I think he's done everything right so far. So one, he's just recruited his butt off, number one class in 2022, number one class in 2023. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he also did something on Tuesday, which I thought was not only kind of unique and interesting, I think you can argue that it was a potentially transformative hire for the present and future of college basketball. That is because on Tuesday, John Shire hired a woman named Rachel Baker who had previously worked for Nike. She was the head of Nike AAU basketball, the EYBL is what it's called, did some stuff with Kevin Durant. And on Tuesday, John Shire hired her to be Duke Basketball's general manager. This is, as best I can tell, the first time that a individual has been hired by a basketball program. Now, other athletic departments have hired a lot of people to help with NIL. This is the first time that I believe that any basketball uh, program hired any person to deal with NIL. This is huge, and I don't think this will be the last time, right? So let's get into it. Let's discuss this debate because here's the deal, right? College basketball, we're headed towards an entirely new world, and I'll be honest, over the last like two, three months as I've talked to people in this business, in my business, in the business that you guys and girls love, college sports, there is a belief that if these collectives continue to just raise money and the collectives are really the ones that are picking the players, essentially, for lack of a better term, that at some point we could get to a future where college sports just basically has a professional model. I'm not saying we ever get there, but there's a lot of thought that that's where it could be, that essentially you have somebody that, that deals specifically with NIL, specifically with contracts, essentially a general manager, and that it's a lot like the pros. General manager deals with contracts, general manager deals with money, and you got a coach that basically coaches the team on the floor or on the field or on the ice or whatever sport that we're talking about. I don't know that this hire is that. I don't know that this is exactly what this hire means, but it is very clear that, as I just said a minute ago, in the new world of college sports, John Shire believes that he needs somebody on his staff to basically be the money person. I don't know how Duke's NIL works. I don't know what they're promising. I don't know how much their players are making. But John Shire, as the head coach of Duke basketball, has enough on his plate without having to finagle over dollars and cents and you know look on her seat cushions and like like and so to me this is so fascinating. Obviously his coaches are still going to be on the road recruiting. Obviously he's going to have a big hand in it. But it's clear that when it comes to NIL and it comes to the opportunities off the court and the financial part of being a Duke basketball player, there is now somebody else that can answer those questions so that John Shire doesn't have to. I would also add this by the way. The fact that he hired this specific person I don't think you can undersell that either. Why is that? She ran Nike Grassroots AAU Basketball. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand how big this is? We've been talking for months 
about number one high school player in America, DJ Wagner. Could Louisville hire his grandfather, which they did? Could Kentucky hire his father, which was a rumor by my buddy Matt Jones a few weeks ago? So we're talking about one recruit, one parent, one grandparent, whatever. This woman had access previously. Her last job was working with all of the great AAU programs in Nike, under Nike's umbrella. So I'm not going to name them because you guys don't care about the names of AAU basketball programs, but most of the best players in AAU basketball play for Nike-affiliated teams, and now the person that you hired literally knows every single person who runs every single one of those programs because she was the boss. So to me, this is like a game-changing recruiting hire. My voice is cracking. I got no voice left. I might not make it through because she literally knows every single person at Nike. And now she has access to all their players. She was their boss previously. She was who they reported to. Now she works for Duke basketball. Good luck recruiting against Duke for any high school player that they want that plays for a Nike AAU program. Because I got a feeling they're going to get most of the ones that they want unless the kid really just doesn't want to go to Duke. So I cannot tell you how big this is. And what I would say is it actually speaks to something that's even bigger to me. And that's this. I believe that in the new world of college sports, you know, there's a couple guys that seem to just be embracing it for what it is. Lincoln Riley at USC seems to be embracing it. Um, Maybe Jimbo Fisher. Maybe Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, where we don't know much about the NIL program, but they appear to be very aggressive. I don't know that there is any single person in college sports, though, that is doing a better job of embracing for this moment in time in college sports than John Shire. Doesn't mean he's going to be a good coach. Could be out in two years. Could go 2-45, and 2-32 and 32 next year. Don't think it's going to happen. But I don't think there's a guy that is, is doing a better job of embracing this world than John Shire. You don't have to like it, but there are evolutions in life and there are evolutions in sports. 30 years ago, Rick Pitino was the first guy to embrace the three-point shot in college basketball. It got Providence to the Final Four. It got him the Knicks job, which led to him getting the Kentucky job. And you can like Rick Pitino. You can dislike him. He's one of the greats that's ever done it. About 12, 13 years ago, John Calipari was the first one to embrace the one-and-done. Got him a national title in 2012. Got him four Final Fours in five years, whatever it was. And I believe that John Shire is embracing for this particular moment in time. The one-time transfer in the NIL better than anybody. Let me explain why. First of all, the man is recruiting as though he expects to lose every single player on his roster every single year. And I hate to say it, but I think every coach kind of has to have that mindset, right? Rick Rick, Rick Rick Barnes actually said it on this podcast about a year ago. He said, Aaron, I tell my coaching staff, I hope we get to keep these players, but we have to go in with the mindset that every player on this roster is a one and done. We got to take care of them. We got to think about them. We got to make sure they're okay emotionally. Obviously, we have to do the best to get them on the court if that's, you know, if, if they're worthy of playing. But we got to treat every single player as if they're a one and done. And that's what John Shire is doing right now. This guy, again, four top 13 players in next year's class, six, seven freshmen. I think to his credit, it was interesting. He added two transfers, but he is embracing for this moment as if he is losing every single player on his roster every single year. He's already got the 2023 high school class wrapped up 
for Duke. I talked about it a few weeks ago. He had five five stars already committed for the class of 2023. Now, it's worth noting, one of them, Tyrese Proctor, actually announced that he was reclassifying and coming and playing college basketball next year at Duke. But to me, that speaks to something else that John Shire has done, which is really interesting, right? So what happened last week? It was the NBA draft deadline. We talked about it. I had Duke at number nine. One of the players that came right down the wire was a guard named Trevor Keels. Trevor Keels, really good player. Trevor Keels at the last minute decides to go pro. But what was really interesting about Trevor Keels was this, was the idea that it came down to the wire, but there were already reports that Duke was ready to take a commitment from two other players if he decided to go pro. A.J. Green from Northern Iowa and potentially Courtney Ramey from Texas. Now AJ Green and now Trevor Keels ended up going pro. AJ Green actually stayed in the NBA draft as well. But instead of taking Courtney Ramey, they took one of their guards from next year's high school class, bumped him up, and they got the guard that they needed. To me, that's being prepared. To me, that's evolving. To me, that is I could sit around until the draft deadline and wait and complain if my guy leaves and why did he leave? He wasn't ready, he shouldn't go pro. Or I can have a backup option, and then I can have a backup to the backup. And they ended up bringing in a five-star that was supposed to come next year in for this year. That happened last week after the NBA draft deadline. One of their five stars, Tyrese Proctor, reclassified. And to me, it makes sense, right? The kid is of age. He's 18 years old now. He'll be 19 next year. He's from overseas, so there's probably some weird thing where he could go to the NBA draft without playing college basketball. But rather than complaining, rather than waiting, and oh, by the way, rather than having an empty spot on your roster, you bring him in. And if he's awesome, you lose him, you bring you, you know, you get another guy next year. If he's great, the opposite, you know, if you lose him, that's fine. If he's not good, then guess what? You're going to bring him in next year anyway. So to me, I'm just so impressed by what this guy's doing because he's just embracing this moment in time. We don't have to like where college sports is going. I've talked about it for the last probably two years on this show, but I have no control and so I can sit here and wish it was 1988 and everybody stayed for four years, or I could talk about the transfer portal. I could talk about NIL. I could talk about the good, the bad, what teams are doing, what Lincoln Riley's doing in football, what Jimbo Fisher's doing, what Steve Sarkeesian's doing. And that's what John Shire is doing in the space itself. He could complain about losing a guy at the NBA draft deadline, but he's got the backup plan and the backup plan to the backup plan, as I just said. And in this NIL world where we don't know the future, he says, look, I don't know where it's going to be in a year, two, three, four, five, but it's here. It ain't going away. And so I can stress about it. I can have a million calls with my boosters and my collectives and my this or my that, or I can hire somebody to take care of that for me, which is what he did on Tuesday. What I would finally say about Shire is this, for the million times, we don't know if he's going to be good or not. But I do give him credit for one thing, and it's funny because I talked about this last year, ironically, with Hubert Davis. When Hubert Davis got hired by North Carolina at this time last year, one thing I did give him credit for at the time, now I was critical during the season, but I gave him credit for this. He put his own stamp on the program immediately. Roy Williams didn't love transfers. He immediately signs Brady Manick and Dawson Garcia last year. He immediately changes the way that they play, where you have the, the four out, where you have four shooters around one big man. Roy Williams, for years, wanted to play two big guys, and it worked, and it won him national championships. But the game was changing, and Hubert Davis put his own stamp on the program. It's the same with John Shire. He's recruiting, if possible, more aggressively than Coach K. He's filling up the roster. He's anticipating losing all his guys. And now he is embracing the NIL world as well. 
Don't know if it's going to work, but I give him a ton of credit. Whoa, buddy. All right. I think I'm going to make it. I think we're going to do this, guys and girls. I think we are going to do this. It is time for me to get out of here. I want to thank you guys and girls for listening to today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you're not subscribed, do it for me. Do it for my voice. As I said, the plan is to have another show tomorrow. Phil Elson, the voice of Arkansas baseball, will join me. Super Regional Preview, Phil Elson will join me to talk about the Super Regionals and to talk about college baseball. That'll drop on Thursday with the Super Regional starting on Friday. It feels like a good day to get that out ahead of schedule. If you're not subscribed to the show, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrin Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You already know how I feel about that guy. Also, shout out to me. Shout out to this grainy voice. But I survived. I'm moving on. We'll be back tomorrow with a great new episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Hopefully, I've got myself a voice back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.